Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. We sure are glad you could join us. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry, lead tech from Agco Automotive. Between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Our number here is 499-9526. That's 499-WJBO, just in case you like spelling things out on the telephone. That's right. Now to get you right to the top of our list and get your questions answered in depth this morning. There you go. And in case you happen to be outside of our calling area, possibly listening on one of the internet sites uh-huh. or whatever, you can always put a 225 in front of there, and that'll get you right straight to us. We do appreciate your calls. That's right, and we're still giving away the free Agco t-shirt to the farthest distance caller this morning. Well, that's right. If you call us from out of town, you just let the producer know where you're calling from, and the person who calls in the furthest distance will get an Agco t-shirt, and that will be USPS right straight to you on Monday morning. That's it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> End of that story. Right that's there. it. Just in case you don't care to call in or something may occur to you during the week. That's right. You can always visit at our website and get your questions answered that way any time of the week, any time of the day, actually. That's right. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that is take the acronym Altazan's Garage Company. Get you to our site. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night and usually get an answer back where you will get an answer back within 24 hours. That's right. Sometimes sooner. Usually real quick. A lot of times within five or six minutes if I happen to be sitting there at the computer and other times in a couple of hours, pending. I generally check that several times during the day. And we just recently revamped that contact form to make it even easier to use. What it does now is when you type in your name and your email address uh-huh. and your vehicle, when you go to send it, it will ask you, would you like to retain this information? And if you type yes, then it'll put a little cookie on your machine with that info on it so that next time you go on, you don't have to type it in again. It'll automatically fill the screen out for you. That's great. Which is kind of cool. It is cool because there's a lot of information there to mm-hmm. fill out. Well, you don't have to put your name in again and again and again. You don't have to type your email address. It even keeps track of however many vehicles you may have. Uh-huh. If you've got two or three, it'll bring up a little bar there. You can select the one you want. So the next time you contact us, you don't have to go through all that mess. That's great. Kind of a neat feature. On if you don't have cookies enabled, of course you can't use it. Or if you don't care to have a cookie put on your machine, you don't you don't have to use it. Right. Just put no, and it won't do it. It has an expiration date of one year. So if you don't come back within a year, it's gonna actually wipe that off. Okay. And then next time you have to put it in again. Then again, you have the opportunity to save it again. Right. And of course, if you go in and clear the cookies out, then it's not gonna be there. But you can go back and put it in anytime you want. Take it out anytime you want. So just kind of a handy feature for you. Yeah. Make it a lot more convenient to getting hold to us. That's right. And while you're on there, pop around. We got a article just went online this morning on portable generator safety tips. And the recent storm, a lot of folks were using portable generators. Right. And I was listening to a lot of the radio broadcast and there was some good information and there was a lot of misinformation right. that I heard. So I had the idea to put this on to kind of clear some of that up. For instance, one of the big things with a generator, it produces exhaust fumes. So sure. you got to be careful where you place it. And everyone says, you know, don't place it under your roof line, don't place it. But it doesn't say where to place it. <laughs> exactly. You know, because a lot of times it's raining. Well, there, you can't sit out in the rain. Else. Yeah, you just can't do that. So this even goes in as far as to show you how to build a cheap little shelter that you can cover your generator. Another big, big thing, a lot of folks, it says be sure to ground your generator. Well, now, that's not always a smart choice. Exactly. There are some generators that are meant to be grounded, and that's fine. And there are some generators that are not designed to be grounded because of the way they're wired internally. Uh Uh-huh. And grounding that type of generator could actually expose you to a shock hazard because what you have done is you tied the generator power to ground. 
you are grounded. And if you happen to come across an open circuit, it can travel right through the ground, through you, and back to the generator. Uh-huh. Whereas the otherwise, it would just quit working. So be sure you read the instructions. This goes into that in depth because you don't just automatically start placing grounds where they're not necessarily needed. And that's in anything. That's in automotive and, and generator. Very much so in automotive. Safety. But this goes into that. And just a little bit of tips with handling gasoline and so on. Real good article if you have a portable generator. Of course, if you have a permanently installed generator, most of these things have been taken care of for you because hopefully Correct. a licensed electrician has installed it and it was all done up to code. So a lot of these things have been factored in for you. Right. But with a portable generator, you have to be just extra careful. So that's a real good article. Also one that went on last week about saving money on insurance costs. That one's been real popular. Has it? Lots and lots of good things. Go in there and pop on there and see what you think. We also have a newsletter that goes out every quarter. That'll be coming out at the end of this month. So okay. if you want to receive a newsletter, go on, register, and that'll come to you. Right. And should you happen not to want it anymore, you just, just hit unsubscribe. Unsubscribe, and it's gone, and That's you never right. hear from us again. That's <laughs> it. So www.agcoauto.com. We think you really like it. We're going to go to our phone lines. We've got Tom online. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, guys. How are you doing Doing today? great, sir. We're doing good. Good. Got a question for you regarding an Infiniti QX4. Uh-huh. My daughter was driving. It's a 2001 model. She was driving on the interstate last week, and to hear her describe it, she said it sounded like the car went into neutral. So she coasted off the interstate, got okay. it down the off-ramp, and just managed to make it into a, a parking lot. Uh-huh. Put it on a trailer, got it home, and the car basically won't start. And the problem, or what she's seeing, is when she turns the key, all she's getting is a whirling sound, and to me, it sounds like the starter's not engaging. Okay. That sounds like multiple problems. It does. Tom, because the going into neutral wouldn't have anything to do with starting, necessarily, and the whirling sound is more of a cranking feature than a starting feature. I'm not sure you're getting the exact right information. You need um, to probably see exactly what the car is doing, or it could be that it's got multiple problems. Okay. I haven't heard it myself. Uh -huh. so, okay. Uh, I'm going by what she's told me. Ask her, Tom, when she turns the key, what exactly does it do? That's going to be the thing. And the noise she's hearing may just be the starter turning, uh -huh. and it's just not starting. Now, if that's the case... What I would suspect is something like possibly a fuel pump went out, and that was the go-to-neutral feeling that she got. Because what happens if, let's say, a fuel pump goes out, for instance, the engine is going to lose power. So you may be giving it gas, but the car is not going to go. And truly going to neutral, what would happen is the engine would rev up and it wouldn't move. But, you know, a lot of people just aren't that savvy on cars, and they match the gas, it doesn't go, it's what well, it feels like transmission. So got to make sure you're getting the right complaint. And if it doesn't start, again, that would kind of lean more to that. If what she's hearing is a starter motor turning, the roar, 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 kind mm -hmm. of a noise, mm -hmm. then that would all make perfect sense. I would be looking at something like that. And certainly that's not the only thing that could cause it. Something like a crank sensor could have gone out and it wouldn't have spark or it wouldn't have injector pulse. It would have died the same way. Okay. Did, did so, it make a lot of noise when it quit? To my knowledge, no. She said it okay. just sounded like the car. Just wouldn't go. Just uh, Yeah, just went into, like she bumped the gear shift and it went into neutral. Uh-huh. And, and that was it. And it cut off and nothing. Her friend came by and they did a, oh, they put the sensor thing on it, yes, whatever, mm -hmm. reader, mm -hmm. and she got two codes. It okay. was a P0420. Okay, well, that's a catalytic converter. Right. That's not going to be related to this problem. All right, and a P1336. Not familiar with that code. That sounds almost like a throttle-type code, though, which could also be her problem. Right. That car has drive-by wire. If it encounters a malfunction, it may have shut the throttle down. 
but that wouldn't really account for the not starting. Sounds almost like multiple problems. Is this uh, more engine-related, transmission-related? I uh, would not think transmission-related, Tom. I would think this is more of an engine sort of a problem. Okay, what about flywheel? Possible, it but... wouldn't keep it, it from it, starting, though. Right. Okay. And it made a, a whole lot of noise if yeah, the flywheel would have broke. I've never, ever seen a flywheel just break going down the road. Okay. You're going to break when you're cranking it or something right. like and that. And then they're going to make a whole lot of noise because you've got a racket. You've yeah, got two pieces there. Banging, yeah. Right. And it wouldn't stop it from running. It would just start making a hellacious racket. You know, okay. It broke. But more likely, it's going to be something like the fuel pump has gone out, a crank sensor has gone out, something along those lines. Okay. And it just died or lost power. Now, the other possibility and you have to see the car to know this, but let's say the alternator is bad, Mm -hmm. and she was running on the battery, Mm -hmm. and the voltage in the system just finally dropped to a point where it no longer had enough voltage to operate the car. The throttle would drop out, so it would not go, and then that would also make all the other stuff that she has, like turning the key and not starting and all that. So check and see. She could possibly just have a dead battery, and if so, it's probably because the alternator is out. Because that car is 100% computer-operated. The shifter and everything else is operated through the computer. If the voltage drops much below about 10 volts, all that's going to shut down. Okay. So that could even have caused all okay. those issues. Could four-wheel drive have anything to do with it? It is four-wheel drive. Probably not. But, again, that wouldn't stop it from starting. Okay. Any of those things could stop it from moving but not from starting. Okay. All righty. All right. You guys work on Infinities. Yes, sir. We can yes, do anything sir. on that one. You do. Okay, yes, great. I'll try and call and uh, see if I get an appointment to bring it in. Monday, and then okay. you get to it whenever. Sounds great, Tom. All right, so thank you. All right, thank, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, we're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. Okay, look, you've been at the Red Box for 10 minutes, and you've got about 30 movies. Yeah, you roll in here with that car with the brake screeching and the bald tires, and then you ask to cut in line because you're in a hurry. Look, it is 2012, and according to the Mayan calendar, the world ends on December 21st. So, I'm trying to watch all the movies I can before then. So, no car repairs either, right? Who's got time for that? Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. So, no car maintenance? All movies till December 21st? Yep. I'm stocking up on all the classics, too. Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakle. <laughs> I, heard the first I knew he was crazy. Yep. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com that's a-g-c-o-a-u-t-o dot com hey welcome back just join us the automotive hour i'm your host lewis alvazan and got mr brian terry right here by my side between two of us will try to answer any automotive questions you might have why don't you go give us calls 499-9526 and we'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction talking to the last gentleman and that is sort of i guess a classic example of things that happen when you're dealing with folks who just don't know a whole lot about cars which is most people today right as opposed to say 20 years ago when i guess the average person kind of understood cars back then to some degree or another things were a lot simpler back then. they were much much simpler and most people understood kind of how a car operated and there are fewer and fewer folks who actually know what's going on when they push the button to turn the key to start the car right have no clue and so the concept to them when something happens trying to relay that back to the shop 
is getting more and more and more difficult. And a couple of weeks ago, I wrote an article, Shops from Mars, and uh-huh. it's because it's almost like you're speaking a different language, and you have to be very, very careful because people will say things very, very often like, well, it feels like it's running out of gas. Okay, well, what, what does that it? feel like? Exactly. Because to three different people, that feels like three different things. And when you say it feels like it's running out of gas, you just don't know. I assume what it means they're mashing the gas pedal and it's not going. But again, that could be a transmission problem. That could be a differential problem. That could be the brakes locked up. That could be the ignition dropping out. That could be a fuel pressure related sort of a problem. It could be technically running out of gas for one reason or another. So there are just many, many, many things. And without knowing what part of the car to go to, you're going to spend an inordinate amount of time that you shouldn't checking things that you don't have to check. Right. And time is money. And a much better thing to say is when I mash the gas pedal, the tachometer goes up, but the car doesn't move. Right. So a little investigation and detective work on your end mm-hmm. will help get your car fixed that much Well, it's faster. going to get it to the right guy right off the bat because when you say that and you notice those few little things, it's going to, okay, if the tachometer is going up and the car is not moving, we're moving into the transmission area real fast. Exactly. If you're mashing the gas pedal and nothing is happening, there's a tack that's not rising or anything else. You then you're forget, an engine. That's right. Now you're into an engine running type issue. You can forget about transmission. Right. And so just a few little words can really, really put you way ahead of the game. Or put you way behind the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And kind of knowing a little bit about what the gauges on the car are and what they do can also help you out a lot because a lot of folks see all those gauges and they really don't have any idea what they do. Right. Some of those gauges look like gauges, but they're actually just a indicator. A, a glorified light is really all it is. Yeah. You know, Ford is real notorious for that. They are. Where a lot of like their all pressure gauge looks like a gauge, but all it is, it's either zero or it's halfway. Right. It's an off on switch made to look like a gauge. Right. And that is very confusing to a lot of people. Well, it is. It gives you a false sense of security in many cases because your oil pressure can be dropping down to 5 PSI and it still shows halfway. Right. And then when it drops to 3, all of a sudden it goes to 0. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, kind of confusing type of thing. you got to be used to the way it actually operates to uh-huh. actually be able to use it. Let's go to our phone lines. Mark, good morning, Mark. Hey, how you doing? Good, good great, sir. Some of the stuff you talked about was what I was going to ask you about. Okay, good. All right, good. Anyway, I have a 98 Chevrolet pickup truck. Yes, sir. 223,000 miles. Okay. Just had a transmission rebuild about uh-huh. a year ago. Uh-huh. And it's all been running fine, and all of a sudden my son drives it. He told me that it wouldn't go, but it was because of the gas. I thought it was a fuel filter. Yeah. And I changed the fuel filter, and it still didn't do it. And I was thinking it might be fuel pump, so I hooked up a gauge on it, and I was getting 60 to 70 pounds out yeah. of idle, but when I gave it gas... Mm-hmm. It would drop off to below 50. Hmm. Okay. And I was wondering if it was a fuel pump. Well, that could be two or three different things, Mark. One, the first thing I would suspect is possibly the fuel pressure regulator because what the regulator is supposed to do is raise the fuel pressure when the intake manifold vacuum drops. And if it's not working properly, it could drop the fuel pressure. Now, that's pretty easy to test. With your fuel pressure gauge on the pump, take and disconnect the vacuum line from the regulator, and the fuel pressure ought to jump up 3 to 5 PSI when you do that. If it does not, or if gas drips out the end of that hose, then the fuel pressure regulator is bad. See, if it can produce 70 PSI, then the pump is working. it's less likely that it's bad. Right. It could be that it's got pressure but no volume, and you would have to have another device to check fuel volume and what that is is sort of like a fuel pressure gauge with a relief valve on it with a graduated cylinder 
where you can push the button and let the gas run out, measure how fast it can fill that cylinder, and that tells you how much volume it's putting out. That could also be a restriction somewhere in the line. It was possibly ran over something and bent the line could do that sort of a thing. So you got to kind of check a lot of things before you just go dump a fuel pump at it because not only are fuel pumps very expensive and hard to change, but some of what you get is not as good as the one you're taking out. Now, I hadn't looked anything up. I don't have a manual on it. Is that fuel pump regulator mounted underneath? The, no, uh, that is going to be on line? the fuel rail. On the driver's side, about midway the rail. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a little silver or a gold-looking disc with a vacuum line in the top right. Of it. Real easy to change, real easy to get to. So Close where the tap is that you tap in to check your fuel pressure? No, no. No, it's going to be on the fuel rail. You may have to take the cover off the top of the intake, you know, the little cover that bolts on, just the decorator cover, Yeah. and then look there on the driver's side yeah, by midway. It'll be silver, about as big as a 50-cent piece, and have a vacuum line in it, maybe a half-inch tall. You'll see it's actually bolted to the fuel rail. So when you find the injectors, just go back up till you find the rail, and then go down the rail, you should find the Now, the what regulator. you can do, too, Mark, is just go on, like, Google and Google fuel pressure regulator, and that'll show you pictures of it so you know what you're looking for. Okay, yeah, that's that spider fuel injection. Cycle. Yeah, that's, a, this, well, now, if it's, what year model is it? 98. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was thinking the later model. Yeah, on a 98 model now, you're going to have central port injection. The regulator will be right. built inside the spider, and it's underneath the intake manifold. Right. Yeah, you actually got to take the, the top off. Top off the intake, yeah. Right. yeah. I've, I've changed injectors before. Yeah, changed little spiders on now, it. Those regulators are bad about leaking. Yeah, and, and they will leak, and they will run off into one of the cylinders. I had the same problem on a, a Astro van, and you also lose fuel pressure. When right, that happens. You know, as that regulator goes bad, it runs inside the intake manifold, and a it, lot of times the symptom is that after it sits a few minutes, it gets hard to start. It crank, 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 cranks before it starts. Uh, it cranks and runs fine, but the longer you run it, the harder it is. It won't. You can't even drive it at all after you run it. Well, I'll tell you one thing too, uh, Mark. Don't overlook this. Check, make sure you don't have like a plugged up catalytic converter or a restricted exhaust. I mean, I have had so many fuel pumps change because of bad converters and that's pretty easy for you to test as well because what that does the longer you drive it it starts building up exhaust back pressure and it feels like fuel pumps going it has no power at all and no lights ever came on it may not set a light because it's not a lack of efficiency it's a plugged up converter right now i'll tell you what you can do to test that is just crawl under there and loosen the flange where the exhaust pipes go to the manifolds temporarily loosen those three bolts on each side and go drive it and see if it runs with plenty of power. Or, conversely, you can take out the two oxygen sensors and just leave the holes open. That's going to make a lot of racket. You can't leave it like that, but right. you can see it. That will relieve the back pressure. And if you do that and it goes, you've got a plugged up exhaust. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many fuel pumps I've seen change, how many transmissions I've seen change because of a plugged up catalytic converter. I've, I've already had, this is my third converter on here and the other one because you told me it was a problem with the antifreeze getting into it. Could very well be if the uh, if the intake's leaking, they'll start taking converters out right, right and left. That's a fairly new converter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. It'd you know. still be uh, worth checking. Yeah, and if you don't want to do it, you run it to me and I can run a back pressure test mm-hmm. on it. I can tell you real fast. All right. Well, inexpensive test. All righty. Thank you very much. Thanks, All man. right. Bye-bye. we got to take one more quick little break. Mitch, hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. What's with the huge crate? My 120-inch Platinum 3D TV. Splurging, huh? I'm putting it all on the credit card, and since the Mayan calendar predicts the world ending December 21st, I'll never have to pay it back. (laughs) 
That would explain the giraffe and elephant in your backyard. Have you thought about fixing your car, buddy? Your old one is in pretty bad shape. Leaking oil, screeching brakes. My car can make it to December. Plus, I need money to complete my set of life-size Star Wars action figures. Yoda is an expensive one, he is. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. You know, if your car won't run, you can always ride your elephant. Great idea. Let me Google elephant license. Uh, okay, you know I was joking, right? Want to learn more about why AGCO is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Hey, welcome back. If you join us the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Lewis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? We're glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And we've got Mitch has been patiently holding. Good morning, Mitch. Good morning. How you doing? Doing great, sir. Hey, I got a question. I got a friend of mine that has a 2011 Toyota Camry, uh-huh. and they told her that she would never have to change the transmission fluid. And I went, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that one of those things they're trying. You know, every about every three, four, five years, maybe they come out with something new like that. And that is not Toyota saying that. That's some doofus in a dealership telling them that. They have is a fluid called World Standard, WS, which is synthetic fluid, which they purport is good for 100,000 miles. Even Toyota does not say never have to change it. They say 100,000 miles, which I think is pretty optimistic. And probably under ideal conditions, if you don't care what happens after that, you can do that. I yeah. think as far as overall lowest cost, what I would do is around 50,000. I would service it properly, change the fluid and the filter. It is tougher than the old fluid. You don't have to change it at 30, but around 50 if you're doing mostly in-town driving. Now, if you do a lot of highway driving, you can probably push it to 70 because it is a pretty good fluid. But as far as I've heard people say, well, this is a lifetime filter. Well, that's a contradiction of terms. A filter is going to plug up if it's doing its job. So there's no such thing as a lifetime filter unless you're going to build it as big as a car. (laughs) But, no, that is just hoopla. I don't know why they like that kind of stuff, like to say that kind of stuff. Maybe something for the salesman to talk about. But no, I would service that one. All in town, around 50, a good mix of highway and city with a lot of highway driving, maybe 70. But it's certainly a lot less expensive. You're going to be well under $200 to do a complete service on the thing and about 4000 for another transmission. Okay. Well, uh, tell her to go ahead and get a service. They changed the transmission, but did not change the filter. Uh, the filter. Well, it did no, absolutely no good at all. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. I was wondering how, when she should get it serviced again. What, right now? <laughs> they did absolutely no good at all, changing the fluid without changing the filter. The filter is the problem, not the fluid. Yeah. And okay. if they didn't put the right fluid back in it, they did more harm than good. And generally, anybody to say something like that probably didn't have enough sense to put the right fluid back in it. So I'd be looking to find somebody who knows what they're doing to get that service right away. Okay. All right. That was the first question. The second question is when she drives and she uses the ethanol mix, uh-huh. uh, the car doesn't have the pep, doesn't really do good. So we've been trying to make sure it's filled up with the with no ethanol. Well, now when you say an ethanol, you you talking about just regular E10, the regular ethanol gas? E10. Yeah, E10. Right. right. It ought to run just fine on that, Mitch. If it doesn't, something else is wrong because that car is pretty much designed to run on it. Now, you will lose a small amount of fuel mileage, around 3.3%. Compared to non-ethanol. Compared to non-ethanol. Right. Because 
gasoline basically just has 33% more energy in it than ethanol does. And so when you go to 10%, you lose 3.3% of your fuel mileage because energy is mileage and it takes so much energy to push you so far. But there should not be a perceivable difference in the way the car operates with 10% ethanol. Now, if you yeah. go to E85, you will notice something. It's always been like that. Really? So, yeah. I would think that is more of a tuning-type issue or possibly something that's not set exactly right. You might check and see that's a 2011 model. Right. She's out of warranty now? No, she's almost at 50000 Yeah, you might check and see if there's not a flash update to the car for that. And what a flash update is is a revision to the software that allows for little things that they figure out after the car comes out, and they're not going to notify you of it. And it is technically under warranty if you complain about it, but if you don't say anything, they're not ever going to tell you about it. And you see, if you're going back to the dealer for maintenance, they're not going to ever tell you anything. So that's why you're generally better off to find a good independent shop. That way you have somebody you can ask, and they can tell you about things like that, and you can go back and get them done under warranty. But that would, I think... If it's a noticeable amount of difference, it would almost have to be some sort of a software issue because the car should deal with that very well. And my only problem, Mitch, I have nothing against the pure gasoline. I would love to have it, but almost every station I've ever seen that sells it, and this is a generalization, it's generally kind of like a little backwoods-type station, low-volume sort of thing, no-name brand fuel. And I'm just not so sure that's a lot better than a name brand with 10% ethanol. Okay. prefer to have a good name brand, a high-volume station without it, but real hard to find. Yeah, we're finding local... Yeah, I know stations. there are some, but they're generally always no-name brand stations in my experience. So I'm just not 100%. And they may be fine. I don't know. But I just, I'm a little worried about that. So I would probably go in and say, hey, my car is still under warranty. Your owner's manual says it should run just fine on this ethanol fuel. Why do I lose power when I put it in there? And see what they say. And see if okay. there's not some sort of a flash update available for that. Okay. All righty? All right. Appreciate okay, thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, sir. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And we're going back to our phone lines with John. Good morning, John. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. Sir. I have a question about freeze plugs. I was okay. changing mine. I got my engine out. We're doing a bunch of stuff on it. Okay. Freeze plug, a uh, few videos I've seen, they say to use some sort of gasket select. You can. I have done that, and I have seen people not do it, and it seems to work okay either way, John. What you want to do, be careful getting them out. If you start prying on them, you scratch the surface of the engine block, then they're not going to seal them out of what you put on them. So be real careful getting them out of there. Don't scratch up the surface of the engine. Be careful. Make sure you get them out. Don't yeah. knock them in and let them go into the water. Yeah, see if you'll knock, just knock them into the engine, leave them in right. there, which is bad. Oh. But right. No, no, I got, I got them all out. Good, got, good, uh, good. What kind of engine is it, John? It's a Ford 3.0 out of Ranger. Okay. What you may want to look at while you've got them out is to go ahead and get a set of brass or brass-coated ones. And they do sell those. They were designed originally for marine applications where salt water went in the engine, but they sell them, pay a little bit more up front, but you will never have to worry about one rusting out again. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that's what I generally do is go back with the brass ones when I can find it. If you just can't find it, you can use an anodized one. But yeah, I, used I already to, bought the, uh, the other ones that yeah. cheap from the dealership. Yeah, now what I used to do with them, John, I used to take something like K&W Copper Coat and just spray that on them. 
and then just knock them straight in. And I've never, ever had one leak. I've seen people put Permatex on them. I've seen people just knock them in dry. As long as both surfaces are clean, the plug and the engine block, and you take a little emery paper, clean up any corrosion that's on it, they're going to knock in, and you're not going to have any trouble regardless. Oh, yeah, that was a K&W copper filter? That's yes. what I used to use. Come in a spray can. It's sort of a copper colored. It's a real so it's good. A, actually, a gasket type material. Yeah, it's, it's it good for all sorts of gaskets. It's aerosol, so it's very easy to use. Right. You spray it right on there. Read the instructions on the back of the can. Mm-hmm. Something about you have to spray it and let it tack before yeah. you put it together. So just read the instructions on the can, and yeah. you, you should be fine with and it. And any parts store is going to have that. Right. All right, and you would use that instead of a gasket select? Yeah, that's what I always use personally, and I've never had any trouble, but I have seen people use gasket shellac. I've seen them use, like I said, the Permatex. I've seen them even use RTV on it, and I've seen them just install them dry, and I've really, that's one of those parts that just don't really give a lot of problems. As long as they go in there straight and are solid once they're in there, you usually don't have any trouble. Once they're knocked, in every case I've seen one leak, it's always because someone had nicked the engine surface getting them out. Oh, really? Crashed across that little surface, and then, you know, nothing seals in. Okay. All righty. Well, great. Thank you, folks. Thanks, man. Right. Bye-bye. 499-9526. number of you are part of the Automotive Hour. The Automotive Hour. We would certainly love to have you. And we've got Alonzo online. Good morning, Alonzo. Hey, how you doing? Doing Zach? great, good sir. That's good. I have an 05 Dodge Ram pickup truck. Uh-huh. And what it is, I had my head up. brought to one guy, and he said the oil pump was bad on it. And he changed the oil pump on it. And then he said, after that, fuel pump just quit, put a fuel pump on it, fixed it, drove it, check engine light came back on. Mm-hmm. I well, bought the dealership. Mm-hmm. When I bought the dealership, they changed, put another whole new timing chain on it, water pump, and and when they got through with it, it about $3,000, then the check engine light come on again. Okay. Then they telling me that uh, because it, it started to smoking, you know, it wasn't steam, it was just a light, white-like, thin, light, white smoke coming out of it. And I'm trying to, I brought it back to the Dodge place where I had it fixed it. And he told me that you want to do it like exploratory surgery. <laughs> no, 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 no. They have done enough of that already, man, on your nickel. Yeah. What was the original problem with the thing, Alonzo? Why did you, why did it change the oil pump in the first place? What was the truck doing? Well, when I first started out, I brought it to this guy. He had it because his new guy was rallying. And, and, and he said that it was the oil pump that was bad on it. The original problem was the engine was rattling? Yeah, it was rattling, and the oil pressure was down to zero. It didn't have no oil pressure. Yeah, man, you could have an internal engine problem to start with, and all they're doing is putting a whole bunch of parts on the outside without diagnosing the problem. You're going to have to go back and find out what's wrong with the vehicle. I mean, just keep throwing parts at it and all that. Anytime that I would have an engine, the first thing I would do is to take the oil pressure sender unit out and screw a mechanical gauge and see what the oil pressure really is. Because, I mean, you could have a bad oil pressure sending unit that could right. cause all the gauge those, reads those, those sending units go out all the time. Right. Yeah. If you literally do not have oil pressure, the next thing to do would be to drop the oil pan and see where the oil pressure is going. Because most of the time, it's excessive clearance in the main or rod bearings, and that's also what the rattling is. Right. And putting uh-huh. a timing chain and doing a whole bunch of other stuff is just wasting money and not ever getting to the problem. Uh-huh. So... You just need to get this away from those guys and get it to someone who knows what they're doing. And the way you know that you're in a place that knows what they're doing, number one, they're going to talk about we're going to test this, we're going to test this, we're going to check this. They're not going to say we're going to take this apart, we're going to change this. 
if the first thing is we're going to change this, we're going to change this, we're going to change that, you're in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Another thing just for the future, whenever you ever go anywhere and they give you a recommendation for $3,000 worth of stuff, just ask them point blank. Do you guarantee me when I pick this truck up, this problem will be resolved? And if they start stuttering and stammering, well, you know, we, 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 then you need to pull the truck out of there. <laughs> because if I'm going to spend three large, I want some kind of guarantee it's going to fix something. <laughs> right. Right. Now, whether or not you get any money back out of them, I don't know. But nope. And the problem now is this truck has been patched so much yeah, until I, it may need an engine now. It may. Because, you know, before, you may have was, went in and been able to change the bearings and, you know, got the clearance back and got the oil pressure back up. It's been running so long now with this problem. Well, that and you don't that, know what else. I mean, right. They, you don't know they, what they else they've done. They can have time. They can have all kind of other things done wrong now. Yeah, you never be, know. It may be time for a, a crate motor. Yeah. I would just get it to someone, get a true evaluation. And, and that way you would know for sure. Yeah. I need to start right. off with probably putting an oil pressure gauge on it, see what yep. the oil pressure actually reads. Uh, and then what? worst case, it would be to probably put a stethoscope on it, ultrasound machine, find out where the noise is coming from, if it's lower end or upper end. If it's lower end, the worst case scenario would be dropping the oil pan and seeing. I mean, you can check where clearance on main bearings real easy. Right. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, it is all pressure. That's what he claims he done. Uh-huh. I brought that after that happened, working all right. Then I brought it to the Dodge place so the check engine light was on. And they changed the timing chain, the water pump, and this kind of thing. And it, the truck running. I'm in it right now. I'm driving it right now. Uh-huh. Okay. You know? All right. And I have no trouble. It runs good. It don't miss. Well, check engine, light check engine light on now. The check engine light on. And it's, like I said, it'll smoke every night and not all the time. Well, how many miles you got on that truck? I have 174,000. Okay. And... You know, it, at that mileage, it can be it may anything. smoke a little well, bit. Well, and C2, Alonzo, that check engine light, there's literally 2,000 things that can make that come on. Right. You need it to get, could just be another problem that's get occurred. It, get it to somebody who can check it for you the yeah. correct way and yeah. diagnose it for you the right way. Yeah. I mean, I was under the misunderstanding that all the same problems were still going on. So right. if they so, actually fix the original problem, but the light's back on again... There's lots of things that can make that light come on, so it uh-huh. could be just another problem that's occurred. Right. Well, so I'll just get in and get it checked, find out what the code is, see if it relates to any of the previous work. If it does not, then you just got to fix that problem. If it does, then you got a different avenue to travel. Right. I wouldn't yeah. be overly concerned about the little smoking every once in a while. Uh-huh. That could be something as simple as a bad PCV valve sucking all up into the intake. It could be all sorts of things. It could even be related to whatever's causing check engine light. For instance, let's say you've got an injector that's hanging. That can make a little puff of smoke every once in a while inside of check engine light. So we need to just find out what that check engine light is, see if it relates to the original problem or if it's a whole new problem. Okay. All righty. I might add a ship with y'all because I don't want nobody else. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to see y'all a long, long, long time over here. Well, good. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to check y'all. All right. Like. Sounds good, man. Thank you. All Thank right. you. Right. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take one last little break. We'll be right back. More on Automotive Hour. Hey, Clint, what's that? Take a look. It's my bucket list of things to do before the world ends. Okay. According to the Mayan calendar, the world goes kaput on December 21st, 2012. I got lots to do, neighbor. Uh, bog snorkeling? Punch a whale? Compete in the World Toe Wrestling Championship? I've seen meet Julia Roberts is scratched off. Yeah, got her autograph, too. Really? Well, it's on the restraining order. Hey, shouldn't repair my car be on the list? 
What? Your, your brakes, they're constantly squealing. It shimmies and shakes and leaking oil all over I the think place. I can make it to December. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. Hey, um, isn't this one here illegal? Not in Tijuana, my friend. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. i got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call. It's 499-9526, and we still have plenty of time left. That's right. We'll get your questions answered. They, they won't kick us out of here until right at 11, that, so uh, got we got a few minutes left. Another 10 minutes. There, there you go. The fellow who had called with the truck uh-huh. uh, suspecting possibly a fuel pump. And one thing that I've seen a lot of people make a mistake, they'll say, well, it's no check engine light, so it can't be the converter. Now, Correct. the catalytic converter sets a code for lack of efficiency. And the way that it sets that code is it looks at the front sensor and it watches the wave pattern uh-huh. and expects it to undulate back and forth between rich and lean. It looks at the downstream sensor and it expects it to be relatively stable because the converter is burning up the rich spikes. Right. And downstream, you mean the, the one behind sensor the behind the converter. And that's how it checks is it looks at the two and it compares them. Now, if they're both doing the same thing, it's going to say, okay, the converter is bad. Uh-huh. But let's say we got a restricted or plugged up converter. Well, now the front one is still jumping up and down. The back one's not moving at all, so it has no idea. It doesn't measure the flow of the converter. Correct. It doesn't measure, measure the integrity of the converter. All it measures is the efficiency that the, the converter is operating at. The efficiency of the catalyst, whether uh-huh. that is operating or not. So the converter can be completely plugged up and not set a converter code. Right, and the symptom would be no power. Lack of power and the giveaway is the further you drive it, the worse it's going to get because the exhaust fumes, when the converter is cold, it may pass some through, but they start to accumulate and it starts to build what they call back pressure. Uh huh. An engine is basically like a big compressor. It's producing pressure and it's blowing out of the exhaust pipe. When the exhaust is flowing like it should, it will maintain one to two PSI of pressure on that exhaust. Right. That's normal back pressure. Zero would probably be desirable, but it's not really obtainable in a modern world. But when that pressure starts to rise, and let's say at 2,000 RPM, you have 8 to 10 pounds of back pressure, the engine's going to start choking down because it can't exhaust the old gas. The burnt fumes cannot go out the pipe because the pressure outside is greater than the pressure inside a cylinder on the exhaust stroke. Uh So it starts to force it back into the cylinder. Now the whole system falls down because it can't intake air and fuel mixture. Because it it still has... Well, it would be exactly like you holding your nose, putting your hand over your mouth and trying to run. Uh You're not going to get very far. Right. And it's the same thing with your car. And that problem gets misdiagnosed an awful lot of times. It does. We had a guy come in not too very long ago with a late model Ford truck, and you could give it the gas, and the truck just wouldn't go. The transmission wouldn't shift, and it felt very much like transmission was completely out. Uh huh. So he had it towed into us for a transmission. Well, the first thing we did is we drove it and said, "Well, this doesn't feel like a transmission." So checked the back pressure, and he had about sixteen pounds of back pressure. Looked under the truck, and the catalytic converter was absolutely blue. It had gotten so hot. Right. Now, he had 75,000 miles on it, late model Ford truck, 
and that's under an eight-year, 80,000-mile warranty. Right. The Cali Converter's under EPA warranty. Uh-huh. A lot of people don't realize that as well. So I referred him back to the new car dealership. I said, well, take it in. They should replace that for you free of charge. No charge for diagnosis, no charge to replace it. Oh, great. Thanks a lot, man. So he has it towed over there. Well, the first thing they tell him, well, there's no code in it, so it can't be the converter. Right. It's got to be the transmission. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> you, you do need a transmission flush, however. Yeah. Oh, my God. Another wallet flush. So he argued with them, did everything he could do. They just would not budge on it. Uh-huh. The poor man actually ended up coming and paying me to put a converter on it. I, I begged him not to do it. I said, right. man, I'd go back and just hold his feet to the fire. He says, look, I got to move on. I ain't got time for it. Exactly. Just put a converter on it. Well, we put a Cadillac converter on it and fixed the problem completely. I said, well, here, take this old converter back over there, at least throw it through the front window. <laughs> Get some fun out of it, you know. So I don't know whatever happened from there. But that's- there's, there's actually two ways to check that for back pressure. You can mm-hmm. take the O2 sensors out ahead of the cat, the first O2 sensor, mm-hmm. and you can drive it like that. There's also a gauge specially made to check back That's pressure right. that you can actually take the O2 sensor out, plug the gauge in, right. and you can check back pressure and that way. Most vacuum gauges that you buy at a parts store also have a low pressure side to them. Most of them, when they get to zero inches of vacuum, there's gauge. actually a little pressure thing there. Uh-huh. And anything that will read low pressure, something in the range of 10 pounds or so, zero to 10 PSI, will read exhaust back pressure. And the way you check that is you would take the O2 sensor out, Plumb the gauge into that hole. There's normally a little adapter of some sort where you can plug it in. Right. Crank the engine up. Bring it up to about 2,000 RPM. Watch the back pressure. That's right. And it should be down around 2, no more than 3 PSI, even at 2,000 RPM. At an idling, it ought to be lower than that. If it is up higher than that and it starts to rise, and then when, as you bring the RPM up, the back pressure starts to rise much above that. You've got something. You've got a restriction somewhere. It's either in the cat or in the muffler. I have seen mufflers do I have. that as well. I a, have seen them come apart. A baffle can come apart and block right. the exhaust. I have seen that. I even had one one time a big chunk of carbon just came out and plugged it up, and we actually dug that wad of carbon out of yeah. there, and the converter was still Saved okay. Right. Yeah, we just got it going like that, but... It really feels a lot like the fuel pump's going out or the transmission's going out because you mash the gas and no power just won't go. Another thing with transmissions that gets misdiagnosed an awful lot is people think the transmission's going out. We've got a truck in there right now, and the guy brought it in because the transfer case, a hole rubbed. Right. The GM transfer case with a hole rub problem. Right. So he says, also, I think my transmission's going out. I said, well, why is that? Is well, I'm you know, giving it gas, it won't shift, it won't do this. So we check it, and the first thing I know is he's got one of those aftermarket air filters that you put the oil on. Right. It is completely plugged up. Right. And it's set all, all kinds of airflow codes. All has actually gotten back onto the mass airflow right. center wire. and Setting lack of airflow codes, setting right. O2 codes, setting all kinds. Of, had about eight or nine codes all having to do with airflow. Uh-huh. Take and put a regular paper air filter, boom, runs like a top, shifts like a top. And everything is fixed. Have to clean the airflow meter. Uh huh. But you can be really, really, really misled by that. Oh, you can. Because the transmission always does just exactly what the engine tells it to do. It's going to respond to the engine. Uh-huh. If the engine's not making proper power, it's going to jump down to a lower gear. That's one of the symptoms we get a lot of times. People say, well, every time I give it a little bit of gas, it jumps down to a lower gear. It's gear hunting. Right. Keeps shifting back and forth, back and forth. Well, that's because the engine's not making proper power. So when the request for power comes, it shifts to a lower gear to bring the RPM up because it can't do anything else. It's not making enough power. We've seen a lot of transmissions change just from misdiagnosis. And still have the same exact that's problem. Right. 
and that can be a transmission or that can be any other component on a car. You got to be very careful. It's just not like the old days where you could just drive and say, well, yeah, it feels like this, swap apart and have some hope of being right. Exactly. You can spend literally thousands of dollars on stuff and never even get close to the problem. That's why getting your car to the right person that knows what they're doing, that can give you an honest evaluation of your automobile Mm -hmm. is just key today. Yeah, you've got to have someone who understands diagnostics, someone who thinks in a logical pattern because if they drive the car and, well, it feels like fuel pump. Okay, well, so it does. That's seven, $800, and you may not get as good a pump as you took out. And let's say we put that in and it doesn't fix the problem. Then what? Well, now what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I didn't fix it here. Have yeah. a nice day. We think you need something else. you got to be real careful because we get people in every single day that are in that situation. Right. Hey, I spent $1,000 over here at this other guy's place, and now I still got the same exact problem. Yeah. So where do we go now? Well, you just have to kind of make a better choice up front. There's actually an article on the website, How to Select a Great Shop, Mm -hmm. and it is well worth reading. Yeah, well, it'll tell you how to look for some of those sort of things up front so that you don't get in that situation because it's a whole lot easier to avoid that situation than just try to get out of that situation. Oh, most definitely. You know, once you get into it, you're probably going to be involved in a lawsuit or something else to try to get the money back. At very least, maybe going to the Better Business Bureau or something like that. Yeah. But a lot of times, you're going to end up in court trying to sue somebody to get your money back, and then yeah. they don't have anything. Yeah. There you go. Not to mention <laughs> the time and money you're going to spend to do that. Frustration and what yeah. have you. I see we have squandered another perfectly good hour. Out of time again. Just about. <laughs> hey, I want to tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week, and tell your friends. We'll get some more people listening, and yeah. go on iTunes and give us a rating. Yeah, I really, really, really appreciate that, and I see we got 40 six ratings right now. That's like great. 50, so. That, that'd be nice. Yeah, go in there and give us a rating. Let us know what you think. All right. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.